Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, my partner in crime, Mike McShane. Mike, how you doing, pal? Uh, fantastic. Fantastic, Jonathan. I'm ready to hit the new year. Got a lot of things planned. I tell you, it's exciting. I love, you know, I love the new year. I love when the calendar rolls over. It just kind of gives me this whole new sense of, you know, something new, you know? Well, you know, you start fresh. Exactly. You start fresh. That's that's the nice thing about a new year. Exactly. You get the, you, you, We're all kind of given this opportunity to... Look at everything and go, you know something I want to do that better, I want to do this differently, and that's where I am. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Especially here with Fan Junkies Radio, we're starting fresh, we're starting new, we're bringing in bigger and better guests. Absolutely. I wouldn't have to say better because we had some amazing guests on here. You oh, know? yeah. Um, you know, but like today, I mean, I, I to me, I don't think it can get any better because he was my childhood hero growing up. There you go. You know, and we're going to have Adam Graves from the New York Rangers on. He's going to be around, uh, around, you know, around the 12-15 mark. Yep. Here at Fan Junkies Radio. I'm excited. Yep. Are you excited, Mike? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I know you're a Flyers fan. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to try to, you know, I'll try not to needle him too badly about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, Adam might take a chop at you. So. Well, he might. He might. But listen, you know, he doesn't know who he's messing with. I, I used to play the game myself. So, elbows yeah. high, baby. Elbows high. Yes. And I'm sure uh, Adam Graves has more skill in his toe. I'm sure he does. You have right <laughs> No doubt about that one. (laughs) No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. You know what? Let's talk a little uh, NFL first before, uh, you know, we talk to Adam a little later on and get into some basketball after that. But let's talk NFL first. Um, A lot of rumors about Andy Reid already, Mike. Yeah, there sure are. Um, You know, first we get the, oh, he's close to being the head coach down in Arizona with the Cardinals. And now we get, uh, you you know, some news today that he's interviewing for the Kansas City Chiefs position. Yeah. Your opinion, Mike, where is the best landing spot for Andy Reid? Well, you know, it's funny because all, all the rumors came up almost immediately yesterday about Arizona. Uh, and, and I sat here uh, here at the Pratt House, and I, I made the comment. I said, you know, is anybody really surprised? I mean, the, the word had been that this guy was not going to sit long. Yeah. You know, somebody was going to pick him up. Um, yeah, the rumor apparently, and, and I was just listening to Adam Schefter just uh, not not 30 minutes ago on the radio uh, Schefter apparently uh, confirmed that, in fact, Andy Reid is supposed to be interviewing with Kansas City uh, with the Chiefs today in Philadelphia. And then the rumor is that apparently he is supposed to take a flight to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Jonathan. I don't see Kansas City as being the best place for him. I think, and I said this pre-show, that I think Reid has the best uh, level of success potential uh, out of Arizona, in my opinion. And, you know, frankly, I wish, you know, I think that would be the best place for him, and I would wish him well if he got the position. Well, out of all the teams that lost their head coach, you would have to think they're probably the better team yeah. out there right now with an opening for a head coach. Well, with the greatest potential, I would say. Yeah. I would think with the greatest potential. I mean, Buffalo, you know, has you know has some potential, but, you know, with that, that's going to take the, you know, the right person to be in Buffalo to get them 
you know, you know, back up and running. Agreed. Uh, I said last night, though, here that I, I frankly see Cleveland as a team that's on the rise. I see Cleveland as a team that's, you know, certainly not next season, maybe not in the season thereafter. It's going to take time with Cleveland. Yes, but I see yeah. them as a team that is moving upward. I would not put them, you know, I wouldn't put them in the same class, let's say, as a Jacksonville or a KC, mm-hmm. where I really think that in both cases, uh, you're almost going to need to go in and rebuild with both teams. Yeah. And, and, and with Kansas City and with Jacksonville. Uh, I think Cleveland is actually a team that you've got some pieces already in place right now, uh, and it's just a matter of filling some holes in over the course of the next couple of seasons. But, uh, no, I, I, I think Arizona would be a good spot for uh, for Andy. Um, you know, I guess we just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, I guess as an NFC guy, I would prefer him to end up over in the AFC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that way we wouldn't have to see him as often. But, yeah, uh, but you know what? Even if you saw him that often, I don't think you would have to worry. Well, yeah. I mean, the Eagles might, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles. Might. Other teams won't have to worry, but the Eagles will have to worry about it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. What, what, what's your thinking on it? I I, I said it from the beginning. I, I Arizona. I to, to me, it's his it's his best possible destination, mm-hmm. and to me, it would be a retirement gig for him if he goes down to Arizona. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I honestly believe if he goes to Arizona, he stays there for. As many years, or even close to as many years as he stayed in Philadelphia, that would be it for him in the NFL, I think. Probably. Yeah. Uh, apparently, too, his wife is uh, a native of Arizona. Yeah, I mean, come on. One would, would think that that would work. You know what? And you know what? I, I'd have to give Andy Reid props. I, I honestly think he would do a better job down in Arizona. I do, too. You know, I, I honestly think, you know, him down there in, in a lower media market, I think that would be huge for him. I, do, I agree with you. I agree with you. And frankly, I think that. When you take a look at the uh, recent core of coaches that have come out of Arizona, uh, I think Arizona would be doing themselves a tremendous favor, really. I, I think he'd be an upgrade over what they've seen there for, for now, some time. Now, let me ask you this. You know what? They they got rid of general manager Rod Graves, and then they fired Ken Wisenhunt. He goes down there as head coach. Do you think he's going to have any say over the general manager spot, or do you think – well, you know, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question, and I have actually given that some thought. I don't know why I gave it some thought, but I did, because, you know, Ask when, you, man. <laughs> well, you know, Andy <laughs> Reid acquired quite a bit of power here in Philadelphia over his tenure. Yes. Um, I mean, it was it was pretty much well known that for years and years and years, he had full decision over, over player personnel uh, decisions. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would be curious to, to, you know, I was wondering. If he goes to a new team, is he going to number one? Is he going to demand it, or number two, would a team just automatically offer it to him? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, is Andy Reid going to be the type of person after as much leverage as he's had here in Philadelphia? Is he going to be satisfied to go to a team where he's going to have to sit there and, and constantly count out to a general manager? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did it here, right, for the last couple of seasons. Or? Well, well it, at least that was the that was the feeling, uh, particularly after Banner left. Uh, the thinking was that perhaps maybe uh, Laurie and uh, and uh, the uh, the uh, Howie Roseman uh, pretty much were kind of controlling things behind the scenes, and that that Reed didn't have as much say. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's difficult to say. I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's it's obvious that for years and years here, yeah. uh, Andy Reed had quite a bit of had quite a bit of power. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's you know something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on and see what happens. Uh, absolutely. You know, you're going to hear a lot of you know you're going to hear about a lot more moves in the NFL over the next few days, over the next few weeks. Um, you know we're still waiting to hear what's going to you know happen in New York with the Jets. 
Yep. Um, you know, what's going to go down in Buffalo with the Bills? Uh, you know, they fired a guy that they shouldn't even hire as a head coach in the first place. Yep. So who's going to want that job now? You know, so we're going to hear a lot. There's going to be a lot of rumors. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can debunk them as we go along here on uh, future episodes of Fans Junkies Radio. Well, it was interesting because, if you recall, on Monday I made the uh, comment to you as we were starting out and we were talking about all the fallout uh, vis-a-vis Black Monday. Yeah. And I had made the comment. I said, doesn't it feel like it's been a bit more aggressive uh, this particular year, that there's been a lot – that there's been actually a lot more fallout? In fact, that was confirmed yesterday by Adam Schefter. Uh, that there were on Black Friday, on Black Monday rather, there were seven uh, head coaches were fired, more than the amount of any head coaches fired on that Monday uh, in the last three seasons combined. Yeah, and that the four general managers that were fired uh, were more than had been fired on uh, Black Monday uh, from 2007 to 2011. Yeah, so there was there were a, there was a lot more fallout on Monday, so it wasn't just a feeling I have. In fact, it's been confirmed. Yeah. Actually, we just got some uh, breaking news uh, just now okay. here. Um, Adam Schefter reporting that, uh, you know, Baltimore Ravens defensive star and defensive stud Ray Lewis is actually going to be retiring after, after the end of the season. Just got that, too. Yep. 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 So. How about that? Yep. Hey, you know what? Good career for him. Good for him. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. Can they make it to the second round, though? We'll be talking about the uh, NFL games, playoff games in a little bit. Yes, we will. Uh, you know, but still sticking to, um, you know, the whole head coaching and, and, and the general manager stuff. Um, you know, we, we just want to say, too, that Atlanta Falcons, they gave an extension to uh, Dirk Coder down there. So that's a, a name off of the Philadelphia Eagles wish list from what we heard. Yes. Um, in Philadelphia, who do you think is the best uh, coach to take it? For, that's out there. That's being rumored now from, from uh, Chip Kelly to, uh, you know, O'Brien and Penn State. You know, out of out of all the those names, who do you think would be the best in Philadelphia with the Eagles? Well, there have been, you know, we've yeah, we've heard the list of candidates and names that have been bounced around. And, and John I, Gruden wasn't on that list. No, he wasn't. Uh, there, there and there were, you know, you you just mentioned O'Brien from Penn State, which I'm not I'm not enamored with that one. I'm I'm on record as indicating I'm not enamored with with Chip Kelly at all. In fact, I really don't want him here. Uh, one of the names, though, that's been that's been bounced around has been Bruce Arians, and uh, I, I'd be I'd be copacetic with that one. I'd what about Greg Roman? Uh, yeah, not, I, I'd be okay with that as well. Yeah, so uh, Arians or Roman? That's, right. That's, I, I really want somebody, as I pointed out on Monday, I really want somebody that's that's had some NFL uh, experience. Uh, now I know uh, I know O'Brien has uh, because of his previous days there in New England, but I frankly think that he is better set just saying right now for the moment. In Penn State, that's that's my thinking on that. Well, I, you know, he still has some damage control to do, which we spoke about. Yes. Uh, with Jim Williams uh, on Wednesday, um, and uh, what you call it? Excuse me, on, on Monday, I'm, I'm actually losing track of my days. This New Year's got to me already. So, um, you know, so we talked about that. He has some damage control to do in Penn State, but at the same time, it's you know, these kids have been slapped enough in the face in Penn State. Why take him out of there right now? Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's. T- <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, Jim Jim used my own words back at me uh, when I said flavor of the week uh, the other day when I was talking about Chip Kelly. Uh, O'Brien seems to be kind of that flavor of the week as well, uh, particularly for those of us that are here in the Philadelphia region. You know, everybody's looking at Penn State and going, oh, look at what he did this year. Isn't this amazing? Well, as I pointed out to you pre-show, uh, Jonathan, to me, the challenges that O'Brien's got were not this past season. The challenges he's going to have are going to come in year three, four, or five. 
all right, when, when you really start to feel the impact of the fact that that school has been screwed out of getting uh, scholarships for the team, when they're, when, when they're not getting their bowl appearances year after year after year, uh, and when recruiting is going to become a lot more challenging. The recruitment issue right now is not a big, big issue because he's still playing with players that were left over. Yeah. It's going to be in the future, and how's he going to build a team at that point when you've got all of those challenges? So I, I, I think people, uh, it, you know, it's easy for us to put blinders on and get blown away by his accomplishment in, in the first year when everybody thought, oh, my gosh, look at this poor team. They're, you know, uh, how could they possibly even put a product out there on the field? Well, he did a fine job with it because he had all that stuff that was left over. Mm-hmm. How's he going to do in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's You know what? It's To me, in my mind, for the Philadelphia Eagles, though, you're going to need somebody that has a proven track record in the NFL to take over this team, right, Mike? I think so. Okay. And now, listen, we all know O'Brien, Belichick guy, but then at the same time, you look at the Bill Belichick coaching trees, there's a lot of damaged branches on it. Yeah. There's really, you know, not a lot of guys that have had success as head coaches in the NFL on that tree. Correct. So, you know, that's something not even to get enamored with is that he's a Bill Belichick guy because that doesn't work out well in the NFL so far. All the more reason that I would say O'Brien should stay put uh, and and put together a resume up there at Penn State that would indicate that he can build a team. Mm -hmm. All right? And, I mean, who knows? Maybe the guy turns out to be one of the first protégés of Belichick that, that that can actually uh, become a really good, successful coach. Someplace. Well, because nobody's really done that, right? Nobody really has, you know, went off on their own, whether it's college or even NFL, as as, as a coordinator somewhere else, and really made a resume for themselves other than being under Belichick. Right. Right? So. Right. right. So I, I, that's why I would say he should probably just stay put. That's, that's my personal opinion on it. Yeah. Now, of course, the other rumor is that uh, right now Brian's floating this out there. Uh, and maybe his agent's floating some of this out there, uh, that you know he might make the jump to the NFL, uh, and that this is really nothing more than a ploy just to hold uh, Penn State hostage and try to get a little more money out of it uh, from, from Penn State. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, then again, you know what? You're, you're also talking about uh, you know, him staying there and uh, you know, learning how to build a team and everything. Has John Gruden ever did that? Uh, what, build a team on his own? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. So. Yeah, well, I, you know, listen, I made my points about John Gruden on Monday uh, where I said, you know, and, and Jim and I kind of got into it a little bit. I mean, from from the standpoint of, of public relations and I think from a standpoint of the fan base, the fans here in the Philadelphia region would like a John Gruden. But when I look at it uh, objectively, I say to myself, really? I mean, let's take a look at what John Gruden has done. Yeah. Has he really been all that successful? I mean, the guy's been to two teams. One of them he took to a Super Bowl, which really wasn't his team. <laughs> well, we spoke about that plenty already. So. Yeah, exactly. So, Well, that's what I'm saying, you know, because you were talking about O'Brien staying there, learning how to build a team and put together a nice resume for himself. Uh, you know, John Gruden comes in and takes somebody else's team over and, and wins. So, But then again, I mean, we could talk about many other coaches and many other teams that that has happened to over the course of – Years, you know. Sure, and th- this is why, too, in some respects, I kind of dismissed last night because the name, uh, we, we, we were kind of chatting about it here at the Fred House, the name Kyle Shanahan came up. And and, and I kind of sat here and I said, well, wait a minute, wait. What has Kyle Shanahan really done? I mean, seriously. What, yeah. because his name's Shanahan? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, 
again, flavor of the week. Yeah. Well, let's get over to our guest, Mike. Um, right. and, and I'm hoping this is him called in. Uh, I'm having a little trouble reading the number. So uh, yeah. hopefully this is Adam Graves. Adam, is that you? Yes, it is. How you doing, guys? Adam, Happy New how Year. are you? Wait, thank Very you good. so Happy much New for Year. being here, Adam. It's 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 an honor to have you on. Um, and we just, you know... It's exciting for us to start the new year off with you on our show. So well, well, well thank you very much. Hopefully, you uh, you guys had a you know, fantastic uh, holiday season. Thank you. Yes, we did. Well, we absolutely did, and it's uh, capped off by having you on. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, you know what? Let's talk. Uh, you know, hockey, of course. You know, you're a legendary New York Rangers player. We all know that. So, let's start off by talking a little bit about your career first. Wow. Um, you know, and, and and I'm going to cap it off right now by talking about the Stanley Cups because you're a two-time Stanley Cup winner. You won one with the Edmonton Oilers back in the 89-90 season, and then of course, you know, helping guide the Rangers to win in their first uh, Stanley Cup since the 1940 season. You know, out of those two Stanley Cups, which one meant more to you? Well, it's it, uh, I, I guess uh, they they they, uh, they they both had uh, very special. Meaning, uh, and, and I say that because I was very fortunate uh, with the the opportunities I was given and the players that I was able to play with, and and certainly going to Edmonton in in, in 1989 for the 89-90 season, mm-hmm. and uh, having the opportunity to play with a team that had already won four Stanley Cups in the previous uh, uh, six years, and still had the likes of uh, obviously Mark Messier and Yari Curry and Essa Tikkanen and. And, and guys of that ilk, uh, Craig Simpson, uh, Randy Gregg, Craig Muni. I mean, they had they had a fantastic uh, uh, team to begin with. And then as a young guy, being 21, 22 years old, and, and coming into the fold, I was traded alongside uh, Joe Murphy. And mm-hmm. uh, we played on a, a – they called it the kid line at the time. We all had a little bit more hair at the time. But uh, it was <laughs> myself, Joe Murphy, Martin Jelena. I think for us it was just the excitement and passion and love for the game and, and the opportunity because we could see how talented a team it was. The opportunity to, to, to actually compete for, for a Stanley Cup was unbelievable. And, and uh, on a personal note, to, to work my way through the playoffs and, and, and essentially probably play as much as I had played uh, at the NHL level in that uh, in that playoff run because I was, uh, for the most part, played uh, fourth-line minutes for my first uh, two or three years in the league, in and out of the league uh, with Detroit, and then was traded. And then even that first year in Edmonton, uh, uh, you know, I didn't uh, play a lot of minutes, and that was the first time on that run that uh, had the opportunity to, 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 to really play and, and, and get an opportunity and certainly learn. I mean, uh, as, a, as a young player, it doesn't matter, I guess, what you're doing, you're a young person for that matter. Yeah. Uh, you can learn so much from from experienced people, and, and I and I truly did. And it was it was a great great opportunity. Adam, uh, your uh, 93-94 season was just a, a, a I mean that's a standout season that you had. Obviously, that was year two that you won the Stanley Cup with the uh, with the Rangers. But I'm looking at I'm looking at numbers here: 52 goals, 27 assists. Remind me now, because I mean. Uh, I've been following hockey now since the mid '70s, but remind me, wh- why does that? Wh- what happened that year that suddenly we're, we're we're knocking out 52 goals in that season? Was there something? Who were you on a line with in that particular year? Uh, well, was that the case, or, or, or how did that? How did that? Why did that year jump out? Well, I, I certainly think I'm a product of my environment, and I say that honestly. I don't just say it for the sake of saying it. Uh, anytime you have the opportunity to play alongside, especially number 11. Yes. And uh, he simplified the game, made, made the game so much easier. I knew uh, 
um, the areas that I had to get to. I knew what type of game I had to play, and, and I and I also uh, quickly realized that. Uh, my job wasn't to take the puck up the sideboards like Mark and start making plays. My job was to, to create room, drive to the net, finish my checks, play hard, win puck battles, uh, get in front of the net, uh, screen goalies. And, and our power play that year was number one in the league. Yeah. And, and I think if you re- if you remember, that was uh, Zuboff, Sergei Zuboff's first uh, rookie season. And mm-hmm. he led our team in scoring uh, uh, for, for the season as a rookie as a rookie defenseman, and I, I think now, imagine having Brian Leach and, and Sergei Zuboff on the back end with that extra two or three feet that you have in the zone yeah. going from sideboards to sideboards, and, and mm-hmm. I know for us, uh, I, I knew if I got to uh, the, the front of the net that they were going to find a way to get that puck to the front of the net, and our power play was excellent, certainly playing with uh, on the on the right side, uh, it, it rotated, but we have had guys like Glenn Anderson, uh, Steve Larmer, uh, Alexei Kovalev, one of the most talented and, and good people that I played with along the years. So we had a really talented group. We had a deep group. And, and when you're winning hockey games and, and, and you're a big, tough, strong team, and we played as well as we did at, at home, it makes it easier for everyone that plays uh, uh, within that team. And, and certainly that was the case that year that uh, we, we started off and it just started to build. And we had our ups and downs, of course, but uh, it, it was one of those magical seasons. Yeah, well, it was definitely a magical season. I know for the Rangers fans, I'm a huge Ranger fan, uh, you know, grew up one. And, I, I mean, you know, just to be able to live that, I mean, you know, since 1940, the Rangers haven't won a Stanley Cup, and all of a sudden, here we go, with such a magical season, not only from you, but from your teammates, and then you were able to hoist the Cup. You know, you, gave, you guys gave the fans so much that day that we still hold on to this day, and, and we cherish it, so... You know, thank you for that. <laughs> well, 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 I say this honestly. It, uh, as much as you think we gave, we 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 got back tenfold, and mm. uh, and I say that, and that's why when we go back to who we uh, just talked about the two Stanley Cups and why they were uniquely different was yeah. was in '93, '94. People asked me, they said, "How did that feel winning a Stanley Cup in in, in New York?" And, and I said, "Well, ask anyone that is a Garden faithful, that is a Range longtime Ranger fan, how they felt." Yeah. And that that same feeling that they had, we had as players, and I think that's what made it so special. That it wasn't just about the players, the coaches, management, the organization. It was about the city of New York and Ranger fans, and that same passion. And I, and I say this: one of my favorite memories of that run, and and being fortunate enough to win a Stanley Cup in New York, was getting on a, a, the the Metro North train in White Plains, coming down for the parade with my wife, mm-hmm. and each passing station, there were. Uh, more and more Ranger fans jumping on, all climbing into uh, our car. Before you knew it, there was there was three or four cars, all all decked out in blue, with chants and singing. And, and I mean, it was one of those magical days that I'll I'll never forget. I'll I'll never forget. Uh, it, it doesn't take uh, me, me more than a half a second to think back, and it takes me right back into that cart and the smiles and the fun and the stories. And 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 for me, it's it's sharing, and that's a great opportunity of, of being. In New York, it's not just about being at the Garden and being on the ice. It's it's everywhere you go. It's in the community. It's it's being a New Yorker and, and the support that you get and, and the same feeling that you had. That's the same feeling that, that that we had, and that's what made winning the Cup in '94 so special. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you know, you still continue to share, um, you know, with, with the fans and the people of New York, and uh, you know, your role now with the Rangers as uh, you know head of hockey and business operations, and you do so much for charities and for Toys for Tots. Um, you know, is 
is that one of the most uh, you know memorable parts of your career that's still ongoing now, being able to do all of this good for all of these charities? Well, and 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 I say this uh, again, it's it's the people, and mm-hmm. and, it, and it it doesn't just uh, pertain to hockey. It's 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 the people that you meet along the way, and as an athlete, and certainly as a New York Ranger, uh, uh, one of the true benefits, probably the greatest part of being uh, a Ranger, is the people that you meet. And uh, mm-hmm. New York, although I'm up in Canada now and traveling all over, I'm, I'm down in New York probably half the time, and and. And it's home. And my two youngest were born in New York. Uh, uh, you know, we have so many great friends and an extended family uh, uh, down in the New York area. That that is truly the the, the I, I think the, the the great part of being being a ranger. And I say that when when you're out in the community, whether it's uh, uh, with the, the the Garden of Dreams or 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 you're just out uh, as a family um, spending a day in Central Park or. Or walking up the west side, or or out in Westchester, or out at a community uh, uh, rink in the tri-state area, you just feel at home. Uh, you just feel at home, and and uh, and and for us, it's something now that uh, started back in 1991, and we're we're into our our third decade now. And uh, every time I go, I feel more and more at home, and and, and that is a great privilege of uh, again being a ranger, and certainly at the garden. Uh, having the opportunity to work with uh, uh, and, and meet all these great kids in the Garden of Dreams, and, and uh, since 2006, I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. How uh, I think uh, when you talk about sweet spots in, in, on the baseball bat, or 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 uh, uh, used to say Yari Curry with his one timer, he always hit the sweet spot. Well, <laughs> with the Garden, the sweet spot is is, is the Garden of Dreams uh, because uh, you you see some of these kids that would never ever get the opportunity to come to the Garden and. And access uh, the type of experiences, uh, whether it's a dream suite night, uh, the, the the talent show at Radio City Music Hall, where these kids are performing in front of 3,000 uh, people, to going out into the community and uh, uh, refurbishing, uh, you know, rooms for for kids that uh, are, are less fortunate, uh, uh, to the classroom programs, to the Fuse Rock programs where they bring kids in and introduce high school students to the music and uh, television industry. So there's a lot of and, and, and Make-A-Wish uh, uh, program. There's uh, We have a Dream Week in the summer. There's just so many different things going on where, mm-hmm. where these kids uh, become part of the garden. And it's not just a one-off thing. Once they become part of the garden, they're there multiple times, and and uh, they become part of the uh, uh, ingrained in, in in actually in our big team, not just the Ranger team, not just the Nick team, not just the Liberty or or Radio City Music Hall or or, or Fuse. They become the uh, part of the entire organization. You get to know them by name, and and for me, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about the people. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, talk a little bit about 2009. Uh, you know, this is something I really, really wanted to ask you and, and you know, just get your, uh, you know, thoughts on because, you know, February 3rd, you know, they hung your number into the rafters, they retired it. Uh, but before that, Brian Leach announcing that they were going to do this. The look on your face was just of, of <laughs> pure shock. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, it, and it's a face that, you know, everybody has come to church because every time, you know, we, we see anything – that has to do with New York Rangers history. It's your face on the night that Brian Leach announced that your jersey was going to be retired and hung up into the rafters with uh, you know him and, and Messier and Richter and Jockman and and uh, and Roger Bear. Uh, you know, please, if you can, just take us through that moment when you know Leachy announced that they were going to do this and and what was going through your head as soon as he said it. 
Well, I think for me, I was uh, I, I, I was overwhelmed um, yeah. because I, I I truly do uh, respect um, uh, the tradition and uh, the great tradition of the the, the Ranger organization, and, and and I do believe that I understand that there's so many great players that have, have worn that jersey, and 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 I said that even when Mr. Bathgate's number was was raised a, a couple of weeks later that I never should have had the opportunity to wear number nine because he was uh, the greatest player to ever wear that, that number and one of the greats of all time. So for me, I, it was, one, it was just came out of left field and I was uh, 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 totally taken aback. But but two, I just felt a lot of weight because it was just so humbling. Uh, and and, uh, um, and and I look, and, I, and especially from number two, I mean, he's a guy that... I can remember playing against when I was 18 years old in in, uh, uh, in a Canada-U.S. series. I, we played him in a two-game series. I've, I've told this story before a couple times. We had our way with him. We, we probably beat him 11-5 and, mm-hmm. and 8-4 or something like that. But I'll never forget walking away from that game at the end or skating away from that game at the end and shaking hands. And I, I'll never forget because there's a blonde kid on the other team, a defenseman, uh, with curly hair, and I'll never forget shaking his hand, saying, "You're one heck of a hockey player. Good luck in the draft." It was before our our, our draft. He was far and away the best player on the ice, and nothing really changed his entire career. And and then to get to know him, play the most games that, uh, you know, I, I think as a, a, a teammate, I, I got to play uh, with him the most games, mm. and and just to know him as a friend and have him uh, announce something that was so humbling. Yeah. Um, was it was a privilege, and and, and I I still I don't think I'll I don't know if I'll ever be 100% comfortable just because I realize how great of players those guys were, and and I look at my game and and I wasn't the fanciest of player I was more of a <laughs> dump it in and try to run through the end board to get in front of the net and do all the 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 the, the you know the, the I don't want to say the uh, uh, the the rough and tumble part of the the, the game because I I took as much as I received without question, but. Um, certainly didn't play a fancy game, and I didn't have the skill that those guys uh, had. I was I was a product of my environment. So for me to be up alongside those guys, it is it is one heck of an honor and, and a privilege. Mm. Well, did you ever think you know you know after you left San Jose and you retired and you came back to the Rangers organization, was was there ever a thought in your mind that your number could be retired? Yeah, you know what? I didn't really uh, I didn't really give it uh, uh, much thought to, to, to tell you the truth. I, I, I know that I was lucky enough to be at uh, at uh, uh, obviously Mark and and, uh, and and Mike's and 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 Brian's and that. But I just I, I just thought there were so many great players that came before us, and 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 I say that because of you know with uh, with Mike and, and his standing in in, in in U.S. and goaltenders and. And Brian's one of the all-time great defensemen of all time, and, and for Absolutely. me, and, and I've argued this about uh, Mark, uh, that I, if I had to start a team and I had to win one game, I don't know if I would. There'd be another guy that I'd want um, on my team other than number eleven. So um, when you, you talk about guys like that, and then you look back at uh, all the great players uh, in the cups in the forties to to. Uh, um, you, you know all the different players, John Rattel, all the guys that have played over the yeah. years, um, and and you know Mr. Bathgate, Harry Howe. There's there is just so many great players that uh, uh, have, have have played over the years that uh, it's very humbling, and you just don't uh, 
I, I don't think it, it, it really became uh, uh, to the forefront until I was standing there, and I think that's why my face looked the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, like, you know, I told everybody, too, because, you know, I've, I've spoken to Brian Leach on numerous occasions, and I, and I know his personality, and it was like, that was just perfect for him to announce it, to take all of that attention off of him and just throw it onto you at that moment. It was just, it was great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it, it was overwhelming, and, and and that's one part that I I, I think is very interesting about uh, um, since you know we we were you know, you know everyone's retired and and uh, in the in the last seven or eight years you've kind of gotten a a, a deeper understanding of of personalities and, and from Mark, his emotional side. And I know everyone kids about it, but that's the Mark that we grew up respecting and loving and, and following and, and 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 understanding. I mean he's he, he could he could speak to you on any different level and he always spoke from the heart and, and I've said this before, his love and passion and respect for the game is unparalleled. And yeah. and I think that in in post career you you've you've seen that with Brian you know what? He was quiet as a, as a teammate, but he's also very, very strong and mm-hmm. very intelligent. Now, post career, you're seeing that with obviously his 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 uh, you know his speech and and his retirement, but also on TV now with MSG and everything else. He is a sharp, sharp guy. That always had something important to, to to say, and and he led by example. But he also uh, uh, knew the game, knew how to play it. His approach, his his preparation, and, and everything else was was. And, and I think that there there there's where you see, you know, some of that personality. Mike Richter with his humor, you know, with the uh, the clean. I mean, that that was that's what this that's how we know these guys. And I think now in post career, you're getting to know these guys even more. I got to jump in here for a minute, uh, just I guess maybe for my own edification a little bit. Jonathan, Jonathan knows this. Listeners know this. Adam, uh, I'm a Philadelphia guy, uh, and I've been a Flyers fan going back to the middle uh, mid '70s or so. Uh, give me a, a flavor, as I said, for my own edification. Give me a flavor of the of the of the rivalry between the Rangers. You played ten years with them between the Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers? Because i got to tell you, I think here in uh, the Philadelphia region, there probably isn't a bigger rival than the Rangers for the Flyers. Without question, and you can't see me, but I'm actually smiling right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about, and I'll take you back only about a year and a bit ago at the Outdoor Classic and uh, the alumni game. And I'll never forget, because we were at an event, uh, uh, there was a... a Grassroots uh, 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 ranger event on on the property in in Philadelphia, and we had you know nets set up and and people were playing outside and and uh, interactive, and we had to walk from from there over to uh, uh, over to the building to get into go into the dressing room and change and and, and then go on the ice. And I'll never forget because we were going by a lot of uh, obviously Philadelphia Flyer fans that had set up and were were uh, you know, uh, tailgating and, and and whatnot, and just the abuse and 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 and. and, 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 and <laughs> well, I but, 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 but I but I say this in a, in a, in a, in a respectful way because I think when they saw that we were smiling and laughing and just loved, you know, kind of rekindling that old uh, you know rivalry, it was just so much fun. And you saw you saw the smiles on their 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 faces too as we were, were going, and then to step out on. Onto the field or onto the ice, so to speak, uh, for the alumni game, and see that type of support, and and still hear the yells and the screams, and the <laughs> it was 
It was fantastic. I'll never forget the first day I stepped onto uh, the Spectrum ice Thank way God. back in the day as a, as a Red Wing, and then certainly uh, got a better appreciation when I stepped onto that uh, Spectrum ice as a, as a as a Ranger and just that rivalry and and uh, the tough battles and everything else. It was fantastic. That's what hockey's all about. Wonderful. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, we know you're busy. We don't want to keep you too long, but just, you know, one last thing we have to throw out there. We ask everybody. We had Dan Hynote on. Uh, you know, Kenny Albert, who you know, Rangers uh, radio broadcaster. We just have to ask you now, your opinion, are we going to have a hockey season this year? I I, I hope so. I, I, I hope so. I certainly love the game. I, I know that uh, on a personal note, I've seen uh, a lot of junior hockey, uh, a little bit of American League hockey this year, yeah. uh, ECHL hockey, a, a lot of college hockey, and, and I look forward to watching uh, some, some Ranger hockey at the Garden and, and uh, NHL hockey, and I'm, I'm very hopeful. So uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm very hopeful. Yeah, we are too. Well, Adam, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I know it was it, it was definitely a pleasure for our listeners, and yep. it, it was a real honor for us, you know, me growing up. You've always been my all-time favorite player, and I have to mark out here a little bit and just say thank you for all you gave to us on the ice and, and what you're doing for everybody now off of the ice. It's it's a real pleasure talking to you, and once again, just thank you so much. Thank thank you, guys, and I, I wish you, yourselves, and and, uh, and and all your listeners a happy new year and, and, and uh, uh, certainly a, a, a great 2013 for everyone in the tri-state area, and, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, take care, and uh, any time. My, my, my pleasure. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks so much, Adam. Happy thank new year. Take care. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. I mean, that's just typical Adam Graves, you know. It's, yeah. You know, down to earth. Uh, assuming, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what, even so, I mean, we're trying to talk to him about his career, and he has to talk about the Mark Messier, the Brian Leach, because like he says, he was a product of his environment, and, you know, he doesn't, you know, I don't know if he doesn't think his number doesn't belong in the Raptors, but it does, because he, no, no matter what he thinks, Adam Graves is a legendary New York Rangers player, and he will always be remembered in the city of New York, no matter how many years pass, and, uh, you know, just a real honor and a real pleasure. Um, you know, you know, and 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 not just for us here, Mike, but I'm gonna you know say it for myself again to be able to speak to one of my uh, heroes growing up. And uh, you know, wow, I, I mean, it's it's Adam Graves. You know, what, what what a tremendous person. It was it was great to have him on. Yeah, humble guy, and I loved uh, I, I love the fact you brought up the the, the you know the Jersey uh, being being uh, retired uh, story. And, and I think uh, of all the things that he really talked about. Uh, that kind of epitomized exactly what you just heard from him. Yeah, you know that humility. Yeah, and and, and it seems yeah. that he still just can't even you know you know you know wrap himself around that his number is hanging in the rafters of Madison Square Garden with not only um, you know these legendary Rangers players next to him but also legendary New York Knicks players as well. You know, so I, you know I guess in some respects it does have to be kind of a, a little bit mind numbing. I guess uh, would be the word. You know, when you're playing. With people like Messier and Brian Leach and what have you, and then suddenly you're getting the same kind of recognition that they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I suppose a lot of us would come away with the kind of same sort of, you know, you you just kind of feel like you're just a piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, which that Rangers team was. It was a piece of the puzzle, but every piece fit perfectly. Yeah. And Adam Graves had just as much as anybody else on that team did of them winning the Stanley Cup back in '93, '94. So it's Definitely something well deserving, and uh, well, there's no doubt about it. When you look at those numbers, I, I love it. I, I love going to MSG and being able to look up and say, "Hey, there goes 
the guy I grew up idolizing. That's my favorite player. That's who I tried to mimic my hockey game after. His number nine is up there, and I get to look at that for the rest of my life. And it's it's a pleasure, and it's an honor, you know? Right. Yep. So let's get to a phone call real quick. We have somebody here from the 732 area code. 732, what's on your mind? What's going on, fellas? Hey. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm okay. I just want to say um, is, um, Adam Adam Graves is one of my favorite Rangers of all time, and he, you know, he him Messier, um, Leach, Richter was one of the reasons why, you know, I really started following hockey and in the first place, and and he he was he was one of the players that I um that I. I grew up, um, you know, mimicking. Grew up, you know. I modeled my game after as a um, as a winger, and I just wanted to say, um, which which player right now do you think best um, best reminds you right now of Adam Graves on the New York Rangers roster or in, in the NHL? In the NHL. In the NHL. Wow. Um... You know, that's tough to say because there's a lot of players out there that embody, um, you know, what Adam Graves gave to the Rangers and gave to his NHL career. Um, you know, I'd have to say it from my standpoint. I, I think that a Ryan Callahan stands out, um, you know, be, you know, to say that this is a guy that goes onto the ice, gives it his all and doesn't stop until that final buzzer and just keeps on going. So to me, you know, and, and, and not to keep being biased and sticking to the New York Rangers roster itself – but Ryan Callahan is one of those players I have to look at. Mike, um, your opinion uh, in the NHL, what do you think? Yeah, tough call. I think you make a great point. I also think that uh, Adam himself made an interesting point from, Stan, from when, when he indicated that he really wasn't a finesse guy. You no. know, he, he, he was kind of the kind of guy that threw it down into the corner and, and, and you know, you're, you're, you know, you're chasing it in and you're kind of putting yourself in the right position at the right time. He, you know, he was a worker. And so anybody that you're going to make a comparison to has to be somebody of that ilk, Definitely. somebody that is going to be that kind of worker winger that's going to be, uh, well, as, as, as Adam said, not necessarily muscling his way in, uh, but, but not necessarily also uh, you know, the greatest finesse guy in the world. I think that's where Graves gets a little bit overlooked yeah. is in his style of play, mm -hmm. uh, the way that he played the game. He, he he was a worker now, and, and like I said, I could probably, uh, you know, there are probably older players that I could uh, assimilate them to more than uh, more recent, more than current players. Yeah. Uh, because I kind of I kind of harken back to the old, as I pointed as I pointed out to Adam, I harken back more to the old older uh, Philadelphia Flyers days. But there are some wingers I can think of uh, that I can picture in my head anyhow uh, from the old Flyers days that were workers. And they worked the puck in, and they were there, and they were they were they were helpers, getting a lot of assists, that sort of thing, to getting the puck to the guys uh, that that were the more finesse types of individuals. So it's difficult for me to say uh, who specifically right now uh, I would compare him to, uh, but I think all those things that Adam pointed out are absolutely accurate. Yeah, I mean you ha you have to have a player like Adam on your team, and if it's not a player that can be exactly like Adam, it has to be a player that's almost like an Adam Graves. Um, a hard worker, you know, always goes after the puck no matter where it is. And that's when you look at, you know, like let's say a Rangers roster, you see that in a Ryan Callahan or even see that in a Carl Hagelin. Not necessarily that they're, you know, exactly mimicking Adam Graves' game, but they have different parts of that in their own game. And and you, you can see that throughout the NHL on every team. 
that there are players out there that will put themselves on the line, will put their bodies on the line to get after the puck, to get into the play no matter what it takes. And that's one of the best things, um, you know, to me about the NHL is. so. And really when it comes right down to it, Jonathan, as you pointed out, I don't know if you can have an NHL team. You can't have a pro team, let's put it that way, with without having those types of players. You're, no, you you're can't. You're only going to have so many finesse players on a team. That's it. I mean, yeah. they're, 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 that's a finite number. That yeah. finesse player is a finite number. Well, you know, that's when you look at the KHL, for example. They go, you know, that European style, uh, you know, over there in Russia and everything right now, it's more of a finesse, you know, and there's not a lot of uh, guys like an Adam Graves and a Ryan Callahan out there that are throwing their bodies around and really right. going after the puck. It's more of a finesse league. And to me, you have to have a balance of it all. You know, you have right. to have your finesse players and uh, once again, using the you know the, the Rangers roster, you have to have your finesse players in the Marion Gaverick and the Brad Richards, but you have to have those guys that are going to be protecting the Marion Gavericks and the Brad Richards of the team, and also one that can score goals, set up goals, and, and, and do everything else on the ice as well. And that's those perfect role players, and that's what they are, a perfect role player, the perfect piece to the puzzle. So. And I think that that's what's always distinguished Americanized NHL hockey from all other forms of hockey, European or otherwise. I think that that is what's always distinguished our form of hockey here in America. Absolutely. Thank you so much, 732. We appreciate your call. All right. You're welcome. Take care, guys. Take Take care. care. All right. Well, let's uh, you know what? Let's jump over now. We we you know we spoke a lot of NHL today, and uh, you know we hope to continue to speak NHL because you know we've been hearing some progress uh, going on between the NHL and the NHLPA, but we're still not getting excited about it because we've heard that in the past already, Mike. So yeah, I'm sitting over here sighing. I tried not to do it too loudly into my microphone, but yeah, right. Well, we're all sighing. Trust me, everybody's sighing. So let's talk NFL playoffs real quick, and let's make our picks for the uh, NFL playoffs here, Mike. I mean, yeah, uh, we yeah. spoke with Jim, and you know, we said this is who we think could win, and this is who we think could you know pull upset. But let's make our official picks now. Yeah, for the cool. fan junkies, NFL pick and leave. Yeah, let me get myself. Let me get myself set up here, and so I can. It's four games. What do you need set up for, man? It's four well, games. Well, i got to keep track of your picks here, Jonathan, because, I mean, at this point no, right now... You, don't keep track of my picks. I, I've, got a, I've got an 11-game lead on you I, now. I'm because I was picking all the opposites you were picking, so... Oh, uh, listen to you now. See, now you're going to go and you're going to make... Oh, no, because you knew I was doing that, too, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's not an excuse if it's truthful. Uh, all right, well, look, now, look. look. You got we got four weeks left of the playoffs. So you still got a chance to come back. Listen, uh, Listen, unless one win counts as six games, no. Not happening. Okay, so let's start off here. We got Cincinnati Bengals at the Houston Texans. Texans are a four and a half point favorite, Mike. Who do you have in this matchup? Yeah, well, and I pointed it out on Monday that I'm not, you know, I'm not enamored with Cincinnati. Um, I never really have been. I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan. I think, uh, although while I've been somewhat disappointed with Houston in the past couple of weeks, I kind of felt that they fell on their face not getting the job done when they needed to, uh, and, and when things were on the line for them to get the the, the better seeding, uh, I'm going to go with Houston on this one. Yeah, I'm actually going with Houston on this one as well. I mean, I know they're not playing up to standard, and they did drop off a little bit towards the end of the season, but I think experience is going to count here. I think you're going to have some good games. They need to have Arian Foster to have a good game here. That's what yeah. they need. Well, Most I, definitely I, for him to get back to the Arian Forster of old, but I still think Texans takes this game. Yeah, I agree with you. And you made a great point on Monday when you said, my gosh, the guy's just falling off the face of the earth, hasn't he? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, Adrian Peterson comes back up, Arian Forster goes back down. So it's like the elevators are running back here. So. Yep. All right, uh, Minnesota Vikings and the newly married Christian Ponder. I know Jim Williams is a little upset about that. 
Uh, not because uh, he wanted to date Christian Ponder or nothing, but <laughs> so uh, and, and actually, he's really angry that it's not Samantha Steele anymore. It's now Samantha Ponder. So mm-hmm. we'll have uh, Jim to talk about that uh, possibly in the next couple of shows. So, uh, yeah, well, listen, don't get mad, man. It's true. You know, you, you know, you know, you're mad about Samantha Steele. So. We'll, we'll let him make a comment on that for about 15 seconds. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right, so Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. Packers an eight-point favorite. Mike, who do you have, and do you think the Packers could actually cover the point spread here? Well, you know, we we talked a little bit, you know, and you you know, you bring up Peterson, and we talked again on Monday. We talked about this game. Um, you know, we we you and I both, Jonathan, have said, you know, this team is Adrian Peterson. That's it. There it is. Yeah. That's what the Minnesota Vikings are. I've referred to them during the course of the season as a schizophrenic team. Um. We made the comment on Monday. You know, is it possible that th- that Adrian Peterson could carry this team? Mm. I don't see it happening. Uh, not against Green Bay. Uh, some are saying Green Bay right now might be the best team in the NFC. So uh, uh, I- I've got to go with Green Bay on this one. It's at Green Bay. Can they cover that spread? Yeah, I think they can. Yeah. Well, you know, I said it on Monday. It's 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 going to come down quarterback to quarterback. Ponder's playing good right now. He's not playing like Aaron Rodgers, but he's no. playing good. But the great thing about it is, is that he has somebody behind him in Adrian Peterson who can run off for 150 yards and for a couple of touchdowns. Green Bay doesn't have that. Unfortunately, though, they're playing at Lambeau. I got to pick Green Bay. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to cover the spread. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, you know, starting for Sunday now, we got the Indianapolis Colts. Magic run for them. Andrew Luck. They beat a lot of bad teams, probably making their record a little bit better than it's supposed to be. At the Baltimore Ravens, Ravens just announcing that Ray Lewis is going to retire at the end of the season. Right. Ravens a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Are the Ravens going to be going out at home, Mike? And we're going to be seeing Ray Lewis for the first time in many, many weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in the lineup and, and, and with pads on. So, uh, you know, how much of an impact is that going to be uh, on this particular game? Uh, I'm on record. I'm not I'm not a big, big uh, Flacco fan. I think yeah. he's overrated. Um, I, I'm of the belief... That there's there's got to be at least one upset in here this weekend, Jonathan. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pick the upset on this one. I'm going to take Indianapolis to beat Baltimore. Wow, look at that! Look at that! I just, I you know what? I don't see Baltimore going out at home, and I think the Colts' magic run is going to go out because now they're playing a good team finally. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. I think Baltimore is more of a complete team defensively and offensively, even though the Colts are having a good season. I'm going to go with Baltimore here. I just don't see the Ravens getting beat at home. I think Indy right now, though, is 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 riding a high, uh, and and you know there's something to be said for momentum. Yeah. Well, it, listen, you know it's we're going to hear the whole thing, the Chuck Pagano stuff, and you know I, it's it, this is the playoffs. This is a whole new different football game. I just I got I got to take the experience here, and I got to take the home team. I, I I just don't see the Colts doing this. If they do. Great to them. You know. uh, listen, I hear you, and I think, frankly, I, I could be very, very wrong here. Well, I'm it hoping so, because i got to catch up somehow. <laughs> listen, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if I'm completely wrong on this one. But I just kind of feel there has to be an upset someplace. I, 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 it's very rare you'll ever see a playoff weekend go without at least one upset. and It's got to be somewhere. I think it might be here. It's got to be this one, so we'll see what happens. Um, although, I think you know Minnesota could pull off an upset, so who knows? There may be two upset games there. That's possible. Um, yeah, uh, you know, to me, the game of the playoffs right here, uh, Seattle at the Washington Redskins. Seattle, a three-point favorite, Mike. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second, and who do you got? Speaking speak volumes, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know, we talked a little bit about this game on Monday, and I made the point. I said I hadn't looked at the lines, and that I don't, normally don't look at the lines until Wednesday, and I looked at it today. Can I tell you, I'm a little bit surprised that this is a three-point game in favor of Seattle. To me, that is speaking volumes. Um, I, I'm, I'm picking Seattle on this one. No, I'm actually going Seattle as well. I, I think they're a more complete team, but as I said on Monday, which Russell Wilson are we going to get? It's going to come down to Russell Wilson, RG3. But at the same time, I think that it could also come down to the running backs for both teams. Can the Redskins defense stop Lynch? Can the Seattle Seahawks uh, defense stop the uh, rookie? So it's, you know what, it's, it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a tight game, Mike. But at the same time, you know what, I would love to pick Washington, but I'm going to go to Seattle because I think they're more complete on both sides of the ball. You're tough on Russell Wilson, I'll tell you. I am because, you know, what, what's the deal there? You know what, this whole season he's been very inconsistent and then comes back and has a, you know, a, a game of his life and then after that a game where he doesn't look good and then it's Marshawn Lynch winning it for them. I mean, I get that quarterbacks have bad games, but it's just, you know what, which one are we going to get? That's... Russell Wilson is the fourth-ranked quarterback in the entire league. I know, I know, but go ahead, look back what, at the past stats, look back at the What what what's the inconsistent? I, this guy, in my opinion... I watched a lot of Seattle Seahawks games this year where Russell Wilson did not look good at all. At all. Wow. He he did have a very good string of games towards the end of the season. I give him that. But at the same time, this is the NFL playoffs. 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's got a, a, a perfect 100 uh, QB rating. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 I'm going to tell you something. I've been impressed with Russell Wilson all season long. Uh, you know, inconsistent. Inconsistent is Andy Dalton, all right? Inconsistent has been Matt Stafford. Russell Wilson, I would not describe as inconsistent. I don't know. Look at the game log, my friend. All right. Look at the game log. And then you'll see what I'm talking about. Three interceptions against St. Louis. No touchdowns. No touchdowns against the 49ers. Three interceptions against in one, in one game. Okay, that's fine. He's had 10 the entire season. That's fine, but also he's had a lot of turnovers as well on the other side of the ball, fumbling and whatnot. So I mean, you know, to me he was he's very he, he's been off this year. And I'm sorry, but you know, it, in in the games he did good, except for that one four touchdown game against San Francisco, he didn't really beat many good teams this year. So, and at the same time, when Marshawn Lynch is rushing for 150 plus yards, you know, uh, okay, we're going to agree to disagree on Russell Wilson. I'm going to tell you. Well, we are. And that's what we do here best. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I saw his name being bantered about, although I don't think it's realistic. I saw his name being bantered about as possible Rookie of the Year candidate. It's a possibility. I, mean, I don't I, think I, it's realistic. Not the other candidates that are in there. No, I, I mean, come on. I mean, the, you know what? To me, I think if anybody's going to get it, it's uh, it's going to be, what's his name from the, uh, oh, what the hell's his name? Rookie of the Year. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be RG3. Well, it, it, listen, honestly, if it's not RG3, I, I really like, uh, what's his name, the running back from the uh, Redskins. I, I think he he might have a good shot as well. So. Alfred Morris. Yeah, there you go, Alfred Morris. I was thinking Norris. That's why I knew it wasn't right. So. Oh, no, I think Alfred Morris, it, it needs to be considered as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'll tell you, I would put Alfred Morris number two, uh, and then maybe you throw in an Andrew Luck. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I, I mean, almost 1,700 rushing yards from yep. Morris. Yep. 13 touchdowns. I. I you know, I mean, he he could get up there. You know, you you, you know the NFL's love with uh, quarterbacks and running backs, so it's going to come down to that. So. Oh, well, there's no doubt about that. No yeah. doubt about that. It ain't going to be a defensive play, that's for sure. Nope. Ah, oh, man, I tell you, Mike, we have some good times here. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. You're not I, kidding. 
It's either I'm blind or you're blind, and half of the time it's, just, uh, it's either or. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I stand because I watched a lot of Seattle Seahawks football this year. So. All right. All right. Well, you know, I'm just enamored by what I guess I see on the highlight reels. Well, you know, th- you know what? That's like watching the coming attractions from a movie. You go see the movie, uh-huh. wonder why it was so miserable when the coming attractions look so good because they showed you the best of the movie. Uh huh. You know, we got to get uh, to uh, to uh, Seattle to watch some Seahawks games next season. I I have no desire to go to Seattle. Thank you very much. Why not? No, none. Why not? No, no. I are, are you bashing the city of Seattle, Mike? Uh, I'm not bashing them. I just have no desire to get to Seattle. Oh, oh well, you know, we're, we're going to have to get into this. Hopefully, we will get some Seattle. I'm I'm surprised that city is not the mushroom capital of of, of America. From what I understand, they, they see the sun there maybe about uh, one-third of the time. Well, I mean, it could be. How, how do you know it's not the capital if you don't go? Because the capital is right here in Pennsylvania, just up the road from you, actually. Oh, I, I have a bad word for the capital of that, but that's <laughs> – we won't get into that. So, uh, all right. Well, we got a couple. We of cover everything here at Fan Junkies Radio. We, we cover it all. We really do. We really do. So, uh, you know, a couple minutes. Uh, you know, left to the show. Once again, just want to throw out our our huge thanks to uh, Adam Graves. Uh, you know, for coming on, joining us, and talking about his career and uh, all, all the good he does. Uh, you know, for charities and Toys for Tots and the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Uh, amazing guy. Very humble. Uh, it was it was a real honor to speak with him and have him on our show. Starting off the new year, great. Yep. Uh, we got some good shows coming up as well. Um, I believe it's next week. Yes, uh, Monday, Monday. 7th, we have Nate Bellamy, uh, yep. you know, uh, director, movie maker. We're going to be talking about the uh, the Harlem Rens, Mike. A little bit of basketball history. Yep. New York Renaissance. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Renaissance men, Harlem, New York. This is something that basketball fans are going to want to hear. And then Friday, uh, on the 11th, we're going to have Dion Lee, who is the commissioner of the Women's Indoor Football League, a uh, new pro league starting up. Um, here in the U.S., and uh, he's got a lot of good things to say, Mike. Uh, you know, had a really good conversation with him the other day, and, uh, it, you know, he, he's he's going out there, and, you know, he's putting himself on a limb with this uh, Women's Indoor Football League, and this is, you know, full pads, really rough stuff. So um, you're going to hear from Dion. Yep. And that's Friday. So, uh, as always, fradhousesports.net. Check out Mike. Check out Sidekick. Check out the gang over there, Five Minutes at the Frat House. You got a new one, what, coming tomorrow, Mike? Uh, what's today? Today's Wednesday. You know, uh, look, I'm losing track of days just like you are. The holidays. It's it's all up. Here, man. It's yes, we have a uh, we have a new five minutes at the front house. Number 70, 70 weeks in a row. Holy smokes. Uh, talk about the most consistent sports rap video program out there on the Internet. That's five minutes at the front house. You got that one. Yep, awesome. Coming tomorrow. Yeah, we're looking forward to that, so. And, we'll, and actually, we're going to be doing what? Frat House Saturdays, probably here on Fan Junkies. Right yep. Soon? You and I are going to have to. Right. We got you and I are going to chat about that one. We're going to figure out, and we'll let everybody know exactly what day those will be rebroadcasting here on Fan Junkies Radio. Absolutely. And also, please go to FanJunkies.net Sports Social Network, and also check out our girls of the day over there who, who yep. are actually trying to become Miss January for Fan Junkies. Uh, we have, we have the uh, wonderful Ana Braga from uh, Brazil, who, who's, who's now a part of the Fan Junkies family. And uh, the cute redhead Cheryl Walsh, who's a really, really awesome girl. Check her out. Like these girls' pictures. Help them become Miss January. And as as, as well, help FanJunkies.net grow because it's all about you, the fans, and it's 100% free. Don't forget that. Um, as always, Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all on Friday. Happy New Year, all. 
Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. 